It's good to see you today. And I, I, don't, I don't very often say God spoke to me or God told me something because it just usually if he speaks to me, it's pretty personal. But I just want to say that during worship this morning, I just got this sense that God's pleasure was resting on this place. We brought him pleasure this morning in our praise. When we focus all together in that community of worship, it brings God pleasure. He smiles at us. And oh boy, is that where we want to be? Right in the middle of God's pleasure, it is. And so I thank you for that. That was really an amazing moment for me in that little section of time. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. And uh, today, I don't know, I, I had three things going at the same time. I'm like, okay, which one? Which thing am I going to talk about today? And, of course, the one that I was uh, most uh, prepared for just kind of dropped right off. And the one I was least prepared for just bloomed up. And uh, I'm not one of those people who um, just sits down and quick writes out a three-point message, and it's done. I have to, like, struggle with it a little bit. I have to wrestle it. But you know what? I kind of enjoy the wrestling. I kind of enjoy it. It's, you know, it's part of being that, uh, that person who kind of enjoys words and putting them together. So today I have wrestled out something for you, hopefully, from God. And uh, it's... It's something that really spoke to me. Um, you know, when I was in church, uh, as, a, as a kid and growing up in church, we would sing choruses. We'd have three choruses, three hymns, and then one last worship chorus. And that was the way we did every Sunday morning. And, uh, but we used to sing a chorus every once in a while. And it was called Learning to Lean. And anybody know that old chorus? And so I'm going to try to sing it for you this morning. And if you know it, would you please help me out? It goes like this. Learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Okay, so simple, that song. But, you know, it says a lot. And we do learn to lean on, on the Lord, don't we? We depend on God for strength and for his mercy and for salvation. And we lean in to all those things. We lean on him. And so I th just want us to take a little bit of a different uh, idea about leaning. Instead of thinking about leaning on this morning, which we will continue to do. That's not a bad thing. We're going to talk about leaning in. And... Uh, so if we talked about leaning in to God, what would that look like? If we lean into Jesus, what is that going to do to us as Christians? So we're going to kind of look at that. And uh, I would like to say that this leaning in idea is my very own come up without all of my own idea, but it is not. So I'm going to try to do this without plagiarizing, okay? Okay. I have been reading this book. It's called House Habits. 
um, living on mission, one habit at a time. How many of you have habits? Good ones? Some. Anybody have bad habits? I have found a new habit. It's called potato chips. They make these grab bags in the grocery store, and they put them right where you just go by and you just do this. And I went to visit a friend, and uh, I had grabbed a bag of a grab bag potato chips, and my little glucometer kept going off while I was trying to visit. It kept going, ee, 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 because potato chips are not good for me. It's a habit I really need to get rid of, because it tells on me. But anyway, habits. And the chapter that we have just completed, actually we're doing this at work at the network office. We do a chapter a week, and we discuss it, and they're really great habits for uh, home, for church, for your workplace. So it's a great book. It's written by Philip and Destiny Diaz, I think is how you say it, D-E-A-S, and you can find it on um, that place, you know, online. I just It just totally went out of my head. Um, anyway, uh, we did a chapter, and it was called Lean we lean in. And so I, I kind of thought about that. It really clicked with me, leaning in. I tend to be kind of a lazy person. I kind of tend to be happy to sit at Jesus' feet. And I just want to sit there. And, you know, Jesus loves it when we sit at his feet. But sometimes I get this picture of Jesus with me hanging on his leg. And he's going, come on, I got things to do. You got things to do. And I don't want to get up. I just want to sit there. And, you know, I need to, like, take some initiative and get myself up and do some stuff, right? I need to get out there where the real life is. And so um, that's kind of what this, this chapter kind of spoke to me. It told me, you need to do some leaning in, girl. And uh, so today I just want to talk to you about some of those things that the Lord spoke to me about. And... Uh, Anyway, I'm, I'm going to try to keep this uh, a little bit, not too long today, although I could talk about this for a long time. So uh, if I start getting kind of long and wordy, because I tend to be wordy, let me know. Okay? First of all, how does leaning into Jesus change our posture or our perspective or our position as it pertains to our Christian walk? So those three words, posture, perspective, position. We're going to talk about those things as we lean in to Jesus. And the first one is posture. Our posture is can be our attitude. It can be the way we stand. It is uh, so much more than just what we tend to think it is. So let's just say today that we're going to rate our posture from one to three, three being best, one being the worst. How are you going to rate your posture? I'm going to do two and a half. What do you guys got? I can't do a half a finger. We got a two. Anybody else want to volunteer? Two. Okay. We need to make sure that our posture is good, right? It takes effort to sit up straight. It takes effort to put our shoulders back and down and our head up. And I found out as I was doing some research, your chin should be level with the floor. So many things to think about with posture. No wonder we all have bad posture. <laughs> it's too much. But it takes effort to even just stand in good posture. The muscles have to work. But anyway, so there's some reasons, not only physically, why we need good posture. In psychology today, 
there was a person, is a person named Meg Selig, and she wrote an article about good posture. So I'm just going to read to you a little bit of what she wrote. The word pitfall is unfortunately the perfect word for what happens when you neglect to stand up straight. Poor posture raises your risk of falling. Why, Dr. Death Templin, a physical therapist specializing in the challenges of aging, which some of you probably aren't too worried about yet, but you should be, and explains that hunched, a hunched over position will throw your balance off. Your body is no longer in good alignment, and that begins to affect your center of gravity. And falling, especially as you age, raises your risk of injury and even death. And I just want to give you a little word of wisdom. If you want to live a long life, do not fall down. That's, a, that's, that's the truth. So there's also some surprising perspective. Pers I can't talk. There's also a few surprising positives of good posture. Good posture helps reduce stress. Ha, huh, that's good. And can increase a positive mood and increase your self-esteem. Um, there's a study that shows that, that this is true. And the researchers further note that sitting upright may be a simple behavioral strategy to help build resistance to stress. If you're feeling stressed, increase your posture. Good posture increases confidence. And if you're upright position, you have more confidence in your own ideas. And this really helps when you're, when you're working and you're sharing ideas and you're, what are they, uh, when you're brainstorming at work. Good posture will make you feel more confident in your own ideas. Good posture activates assertiveness. When you stand tall, your posture promotes respect from others as well as self-respect. It may also increase your chances of success in a job search. When you go in for that interview, do good posture. Good posture helps you perform better under pressure. This is the one I like. In a study of 125 college students asked to do simple math problems, those who sat upright reported they found it easier to do the math. Don't you hate it when there's a 30% off sale and you have to figure out the 30%? Hoy, I don't do that well. But how many of you in the morning First thing you do is you get your little phone out and you do a brain exercise game. Come on. You know you do. <laughs> I do. And the math problems? Not good. I have to sit up really straight for math problems. Okay. Another thing, this is just a little extra. Did you know if you have really good posture, it adds one inch height to your, your stature and it reduces your waistline by an inch? Awesome. Yeah. Hey, everybody just sat right up. <laughs> okay. How you posture yourself, how you lean into your posture can change your life. It can. So young people, start practicing good posture now. Lean into things. When you're being in, in, in uh, Nathan's Bible study group, lean in physically, listen with both ears. It'll change your life, and it'll change, actually, it'll change Nathan's life. It'll give him the confidence he needs. It's a good thing. Okay, so what about our spiritual life? What about our spiritual posture? We're going to talk a bit for a minute about the posture of a transformed mind. 
What if we leaned into that posture of our mind? Romans 12, 2 says, And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable. What if we leaned into that posture, the good and acceptable? Turn my page. There is so much noise in the world that grabs our attention. Social media, news. I've kind of stopped watching the news. Movies, podcasts. I started listening to a podcast or two. Whole new world for me. All these things are trying to get our attention. They enter through the, the portals of our brain, right? Our eyes, our ears, and we take them in. But what if we leaned into the things of God? We leaned in to what God has for our minds, the renewing of our minds through the word of God, the teachings of good, steady teachers, worship. What if we leaned into that? And I knew you leaned into it this morning. God was there. God is here. We're leaning in today. We lean into that. Our posture changes. What if we set aside time for personal prayer and worship? and cut out some of the other noise of the world? What if we whittled down our podcasts that we listen to to maybe one or two a day? For me, audiobooks. Do you know how many books you can get through if you listen to them on audio? Tom gets tired of hearing my audiobooks go. <laughs> he doesn't know if I'm talking to a real person or listening to something. <laughs> So I have determined I need to start cutting back on audiobook time, spending more time in the Word of God, things that will renew my mind. You can ask me how I'm doing because I will slip up, so just ask me. We'll be accountable, right? So if we can do that, if we can change that posture and lean in to this, if we listen to the Word of God, to the voice of God, instead of listening to all the voices of the world, don't you think our worry would be less? Don't you think our stress levels would be less? Don't you think we would take offense a lot less easier? You know, if we could just lean into that and renew our minds. So I'm going to work on that this week. Well, hopefully forever. Okay, number two, posturing to work as for the Lord. Now, some of us have jobs that we've had for a long time. I've almost got 25 years in at the network office, and I started as receptionist, and just kind of my job has shifted and changed, and it's become the credentialing assistant. And, uh, but, and for me, it's, it's easy to do my work as unto the Lord because we're working on things for God. We're working on credentialing young people and older people and for ministry. And it's really exciting, except for all the paperwork. Oh, yeah. Lots and lots of paperwork. We're changing it, though, because we're going on to online. So many things that has to be checked and looked at and accounted for. And sometimes, honestly, it gets a little bit tedious and pulling down. And when I don't think about what is this for, what is this background check for, why am I reading all these little tiny numbers and words, it's for the Lord. I have to change my posture. 
how I look at my work, and I have to do it as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, whether it's mopping floors or working in a bank or uh, building a house, whatever we're doing, let's do it as unto the Lord. That, that project we're doing for his pleasure, we're working as unto the Lord. And then we are also conducting ourselves in a worthy manner. How about that posture? Conducting ourselves in a worthy manner. Philippians 1.27 says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Wouldn't it be awesome if everybody around Anchorage and it spread to the rest of the state of Alaska that South Anchorage Assembly is standing firm in one spirit? We are united in Christ, and we're growing and, and changing, and we're becoming like Jesus. What a posture to have. Wouldn't that be awesome? We are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We posture ourselves in a worthy manner that is, is worthy of the gospel. We're different from the world, aren't we? Our posture is different. The way we stand spiritually, the way we talk, the, what we do, it's different. Our posture changes. It makes us, it, it sets us apart. And then we, people see that, they want to be a part of that. And that's a really awesome thing. We are striving to be like Jesus instead of try, striving with or against each other. That posture changes and we become united. When we do this, we see changes in our, in our church. We see changes in our family. What if instead of striving against that, that prickly child that is just so emotional and crazy right now because of hormones or whatever? I had a couple of those. What if we changed our posture towards them? What if they changed their posture towards us? What if we changed our posture towards that irritating spouse? Oh, that's a tricky one. <laughs> yeah. But what if we did? What if we became more united with them? I mean, after all, you know, we become one flesh, right? Let's become one in spirit as well. We posture ourselves differently. And what about the workplace? What if we postured ourselves differently in the workplace and instead of grumbling or complaining, we became grateful and thankful, being worthy of saying that we're carrying the gospel of Christ in our, in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts? Because we carry that around with us wherever we go, right? The gospel of Christ, the good news, we carry that with us. Let's be worthy of that. Press in to that posture. What if we had a humbleness, a posture of humbleness in the presence of God? That's a tricky one, isn't it? We don't like to be humbled. I remember one time I was, uh, when I started working at the network office, and it was, I didn't know really anything about computers. <laughs> 
and I had to do things on the computer, and it was very humbling for me, and I had to, like, redo everything, and I, it was just, I made so many mistakes, and I came home from work, and I said, to, I just said, you know, I just, I'm just tired of, of, you know, being humbled all the time, and uh, by all this crazy stuff, and, and Kristen looked at me, and she said, well, Mom, maybe you should humble yourself, and then all the other stuff wouldn't humble you so much. I went, hmm, okay. A whole sermon from a little girl, and it was true. I, I thought that I was, you know, I thought that I, I should have been better than that, and I had to humble myself. But, you know, what, what if we humble ourselves, if we took up a, a posture of humility in the presence of God? James 4.10 says, humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. How do you humble yourself in the presence of the Lord? How do we do that? We've just done it, haven't we? We have come out of worship just now with Rio, who led us so beautifully, and we have humbled our posture before the Lord. What if... We, we just humbled ourselves by, some of us do, by kneeling. What if we raise our hands? What if sometimes we cover our faces while we worship? We humble ourselves. Sometimes people weep in the presence of God. I read in a devotional, and I got to thank you, Tracy, for what you said about the shower <laughs> because I think you'll like this little uh, this little quote I have taken out of a book I have been doing a Lenten uh, devotion and it's called bless the Lent we actually have and it is by a lady named Kate Bowler and she's a little bit of a different type of, of writer and but I really like her and she made this suggestion what if for example if you usually sit down to pray, then stand up, or walk, or kneel, or lie face down on the floor, or get into a pool or a bathtub and float through your prayers. Somehow changing one thing of your posture, that's my own little insert there, can lead to the sense that other things are possible. Just change what you do. Humble yourself a little bit more. You know, sometimes we see people actually kneeling on the floor with their faces to the floor. When we see that, do we think, oh, that's kind of weird? Or do we think, that person's being changed? You know, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Don't be afraid. You know, when we're worshiping, nobody's watching you, right? Right? We're all focused on the Lord. Don't be afraid to humble yourself. If you croak when you sing, and so you don't sing, just croak. Just go ahead. It's okay. It's, it's what, those are the things that, that God finds pleasure in. So, anyway, just a change of habit, a change of worship. What if in your own personal, private time, you did something different in your worship? Just to break out of that posture and into a new one, pressing in to God. Um. You know, these postures that we're talking about, they put us into a place of position. Now, I'm not talking like a position place as in an uh, order of, of eliteness, 
We're not talking about that kind of a position, but a different place, a place where you haven't gone before. We're leaning in toward a new destination. Something that is located ahead of us. We're pressing in towards that. When my son Jordan was young, he was learning to ride his bike. And you know how it is, parents. You run beside them, and you give up on that, and you put training wheels on. <laughs> and they, they go out, and they start pedaling. And they're going so slow because they haven't figured it out yet. And they kind of lean on that one training wheel, and they kind of ride like this. And you're like, sit up straight, sit up straight. And eventually they get pedaling fast enough to where they just kind of automatically come to center, right? And the training wheels aren't even touching the ground. And once in a while they'll start to lean, but that training wheel catches them. And they get back on track. Well, then you take the training wheels off. And that's a whole other story. They're all over the place then. But we would, when he was learning to ride his bike, we would go for family bike rides. And he would just pedal his little bike and he would... He would, um, when we had cars coming towards us, he would stop, like we told him. When there's a car coming, just pull off to the side and stop and let them go by because our, our neighborhood roads are kind of narrow. And when someone was coming from behind, one of us would yell, car, and everybody would stop and wait for the car to pass. So the cars that were moving were not the problem. It was the parked cars. He hit every single parked car. <laughs> We peeled him off windows and trunks and pulled him out from under, and he would hit the parked cars, and each time we'd look to see if there was a scratch. Thankfully, there wasn't. But he just had to, we tried to teach him, don't look at the cars. Look past them. The cars were the obstacles he needed to get by, and if, if he kept leaning towards those obstacles, he wasn't going to get anywhere. He was going to end up bruised and scraped up. So don't look at the cars. Look straight ahead to where you want to be, to where you want to go. Look straight ahead, and don't let yourself lean that direction. Lean into what's ahead. He had to learn to change his focus and to control his lean. And that's kind of where we are sometimes. Sometimes there are obstacles along the side of our Christian walk, and we want to lean into them, and we crash into them every time. And we have to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and go again. And our focus and our, where we're looking, we take our eyes off Jesus, and we just crash into whatever it is that's parked along the side of the road. Well, there's a Bible story that just kind of fits that. Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're working together, and they're, um, they're just becoming really well, Jesus is becoming well known. It's his, the news of him is beginning to spread. And there was this, this rich young ruler, this religious man, who wanted to talk to Jesus. He wanted, he wanted to get past some of the obstacles that he kept running into. And you know the story of the rich young ruler. And he meets Jesus in private, in secret doesn't want anybody to know. And uh, so Luke tells us this. A ruler questioned him, saying, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He wanted more than what he had. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know 
the Ten Commandments. Do not commit murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. He's checking off all the little boxes, isn't he? That's the law, right? Jesus is talking about the law that nobody could ever keep totally, except for himself. And the rich young ruler said, all these things I have kept from my youth. Well, we all know that he hasn't kept them all because he's human. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. This is the car that he keeps running into, the parked car. Sell all your possessions and distribute them to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. That rich, those riches, the things, the comfort that it brought, the power that it brought, all those things the riches brought to this rich young ruler, that was the parked car he kept sliding into. He kept leaning towards them, and he may not have even realized it until Jesus said, stop leaning towards your riches, get rid of them, and reach, start leaning towards the riches in heaven. And uh, he... Uh, he didn't like that. He didn't like that. He, he went away sad. The scripture says, and when he'd heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. It was really hard for him to get past that. And we do that. We run into these things that we're not willing to let go of. Maybe it's a relationship that is not good. Maybe it's a TV show we may not, we shouldn't be watching. Maybe it's a habit we need to give up, potato chips. You know, those things. We've got to figure out what, what part car do I keep running into? How can I look past it, keep my eye on what's ahead, and move forward to a new position in Christ? So, another thing about position. Jesus tells us, well, Paul tells us, in Ephesians 1.13, But now in Christ, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And I have to turn a page. There it goes. Paul is teaching the Ephesians that their position has changed because of the blood of Jesus. Now the Ephesians were kind of a mixture of Jews the in crowd, and the Gentiles, the out crowd. Also men and women. And so Paul is telling them in this, in this little letter he's writing that, you know, your position has changed. The Jews are no longer the elites. And the Gentiles are no longer the lesser thans. They're all the same because of the blood of Jesus. No longer did the Gentiles have to stand at a distance when sacrifices were being made because Jesus became the sacrifice, and he called them near to him. Their position was now near to Christ. Our position is near to Christ as well. Press into that position. Be near to Christ. All these things that we've been talking about, press into them. Lean into them. Lean into Jesus. And also, in that position, we become the sons and daughters of God. Galatians 4, 7 says, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. 
and if a son, then an heir through God. And when, when it says you are no longer a slave, it doesn't mean that you're a slave to God. You were a slave to God. You were a slave to sin. And you are a slave to your own desires and a slave to the law. But when we become the children of God, when we, like the verse above, we, we, we lean into the blood of Christ, we become the children of God. We are no longer lost. We are no longer alone. We are no longer parentless because we have God as our father and Jesus as our brother. We become heirs to what God has for us, eternal life. We become heirs to that. Okay. Philip Diaz, in his book, this one, House Habits, says this. I have heard people say that Christianity just didn't work for them. They went to church for years, and it never clicked. That is a lot like leaning back and trying to walk forward. If I want a relationship with Christ, I must lean in that direction. I must spend my time, attention, and emotional energy cultivating a community that will support my faith, reading the Bible, and praying. I cannot just wish my way into a different faith position. We have to, just like a good posture is a lot of work, we have to work at a position in Christ. We have to lean into it. You know, we receive it freely, but we still have to lean into it. I have to take action. I have to learn differently. To, I have to learn differently how to live differently. When we become a part of God's family, our posture changes, our position changes, and our perspective changes. So let's talk about perspective a little bit. Perspective is how we view things. How do we see things through our own experiences and our attitudes? Sometimes we, those things need to change. When we look at, at, at people or we look at, at the things of God and our, our eyes are... Um, we have these glasses on that we have to look through all of life's things, right? We see things through all the, eye, the, the glasses of our experiences. And we have to change how that works. I just love it when uh, Jesus would, like, stir up his disciples a little bit and stretch them. Um, Colossians says in three in chapter 3 verse 2 set your mind on things above not on things on the earth our we have to look differently at the world we have to look differently at things above there's an ex excellent example in the in the book of Luke as well of Jesus perspective and how his disciples got to experience a little bit of Jesus perspective we all know the story of the woman at the well right Jesus comes he finds this woman a Samaritan woman and uh, he asked her for a drink, and we know all that goes on. And, and she's, she's tired and thirsty, and he tells her about the water that she, would let, she can take a drink and she'll never be thirsty again. And, of course, then he explains about God and, and that spiritual uh, water that he, he could give her. And she goes away excited to tell everybody else about this. And Jesus, can't you just see him? He's just grinning. He's just seen a woman released from years of shame. And she's going happily down the road to bring other people to him so he can share that with them. 
Can't you just see his heart is glad? He feels energized. All that weariness from walking all morning in the sun and the dust, he just feels energized. And here comes his disciples. They got, had to go into the village and find food and bring it back, and they're expecting Jesus to be wilted somewhere under a tree. And they get back, and Jesus is, like, rejuvenated. And they look at him, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they said, uh, Jesus, maybe you better eat something. And he tells them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. They were trying to figure out who brought lunch to him. They were asking each other, who brought him food? Who brought him food? We get so caught up in food, don't we? We need it because we get hangry. And uh, that's a real thing, by the way. And so Jesus looks at him, and he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's what energized Jesus. That's what gave him his strength to do the will of God, to do the work of God. If we're tired and we're exhausted, do the work of God. Oh, it will energize us. Lean into it. Then he tells his, his disciples, look out into the fields. Do you see the harvest? It's white, ready to be harvested. And that's how it is spiritually. You know, when that woman came to the well, she was ready. She was just like a grain of wheat that had turned white and was ready to harvest. There's so many grains of wheat ready to be harvested around us. And their perspective needed to change. It wasn't about food. It was about spiritual food, doing the work of God, bringing in the harvest. Their perspective had to change. Another way our perspective needs to change is on wins and losses. Did you guys watch the Super Bowl? I didn't. <laughs> but I hear talk in the office. The guys like to talk about the Super Bowl. We were talking about, um, I think it was the Seattle team. Was it the Seahawks? What is it? Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. They were in the running for, uh, evidently, the, did they win last year? The Seahawks? But anyway, they were saying that they were a good team, and then they had a loss. They had a loss, and they couldn't get past the loss. It was like it took all the energy out of them, and then the Seahawks were out. They just could not get past the, the loss. They started bickering between each other and pointing fingers and blaming, and they could not come together as a team because they couldn't get past the loss. They couldn't lean into the training. And uh, that's kind of the way we are sometimes, right? We lean into our losses or our mistakes. We lean into them, and we can't get past them. Philippians says, this is Paul speaking, Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We forget what lies behind us, the mistakes, the losses, all the well, errors and fouls and all those words that I don't know anything about. But <laughs> we, we forget those things, and we press on ahead. I was uh, watching a, some basketball when, when my daughter Rosie was a basketball player. We would go and watch her games, and we got there early one day, and the junior 
high boys were playing. Now they're just really getting started. They don't know a lot. And so they're learning, and it was totally different from watching the varsity teams play. But um, the ball rolled out of bounds. Somebody you know, dropped it or kicked it or something. It went out of bounds. And so one of the GCS boys, Grace Christian School is where she was at, they went to the sideline to pick it up and uh, to throw it back into play from the boundary line. And you look at, at him standing there, and he's all knees and elbows, skinny arms and legs. <laughs> and, you're, and he's so unsure of himself. And he hears all the calls, here, throw it here, I'm open, I'm open. And people are running and jumping in front of him and waving their arms and yelling at him. And the other team is like trying to, to steal the ball away from him and he's just waving the ball all over the place. And finally, he throws the ball directly to the, op to the op opposing team. Just throws it right to him. And the audience on the, on the bleachers just goes, oh. In one long breath. And it was, but you know what happened? That boy who threw that ball, he just jumped across onto the court, ran under the basket, and began to play. You know, he didn't stop to look up in the stands, find his mom and dad to see if they were, were disappointed in him. He didn't stop to discuss it with all the other players, saying, why weren't you where you belonged? What did I do? Should I? Well, I didn't know what to do. I was so scared. He didn't discuss it with the other players. He didn't look at the coach to see if the coach was mad at him. He just went and played his, his position to work on towards that goal of winning the game. He didn't stop. He didn't just fall to the floor totally, you know, devastated, which is what we do sometimes when we miss the mark. And another page. He crossed the boundary line and went in and became active in the game. He joined his teammates. He set his eyes on the next play that would take him closer to the goal. You know, our game is not lost when we, when we have a failure. Our game is not lost. So often when we've done something that we shouldn't have or, or we have that habit we're trying to, to overcome and we fall, we want to just quit and give up and, and just let it go. But we don't do that. We need to lean in to what lies ahead. Our perspective needs to change. It needs to be changed from one of failure to one of victory that lies ahead if we just keep pressing on, forgetting what lies behind us. We lean forward into the next play, into the next thing God is calling us to. The prize of the upward call. Heaven. And taking those with us, as many as we can. That upward call. There's a city in uh, Italy, in Tuscany. It's called Pisa. Anybody know that? You probably heard about it because there's a tower there that is famous. The construction of the Pisa Bell Tower began in 17, I'm sorry, 1117, and was completed in 1391. That took a long time to build that tower. And the height of the tower on one side is 55.8 meters, or 183 feet and 3 inches from the ground. And on the other side, it's 56.67 meters, or 185 feet and 11 inches, on the other side, on the low side. So that's like a difference of, let's say, 
three feet. My math isn't great. So if you're a builder, you know that's not good. <laughs> if you're building a house and one side is three feet lower than the other side, you have a problem. But the, the tower began to lean at the very beginning of the construction in the 12th century. And it was because of the soft ground underneath. It couldn't hold the weight of the structure. And so it began to lean. And it worsened through the completion of the structure. The whole time they worked on it, it was still leaning. And they finished it the 14th century. And by 1990, the tilt had reached 5.5 degrees. And it was considered no longer safe. And so they closed the bell tower. The bells were silenced. And they looked at it, and they go, like, what are we going to do? Because it's going to fall. And so the engineers looked at it, and they decided to start a major straightening project. And the earth was siphoned out from underneath the foundations. Wells were dug, and they pulled the water out from under it. They filled the holes with cement. They did everything they could do. They changed the center of gravity for it. And they decreased the lean by 17 inches. It took them 10 years to do that. 17 inches is a pretty good chunk, but they didn't want to straighten it totally because it is the Leaning Tower of Pisa, after all. So they did improve it. And the amazing thing was, once they fixed it, the tower continued to straighten itself. It continued to straighten itself until about, uh, what was it, 2008. And it stopped straightening itself at that point. So it was reopened, and people began to go in there and, and see it. And the process of falling into this destruction was prevented because of that intervention. The problem is that as soon as it stopped straightening itself, it started leaning again. And so the tower continues to lean of centimeters a year or a century or however and in 200 years it will be unsafe again and without intervention it will fall we are like the, the tower of pisa we are doomed to fall into destruction without the the intervening grace of jesus and sometimes our lean seems hopeless. Do you ever feel like you just can't change the lean? That whatever you do, you're still going to lean the wrong way? And you're going to fall? Uh, the author of this book, I think it's pronounced Diaz. I'm not sure how to say his name. But he says this. Sometimes life will be confusing. Sometimes we will not understand the season we are in. And sometimes we will encounter disappointment, disillusionment and disagreements that try to strip us of our courage to lean in. If Christ is not the core of our lives, if he is not the one we lean into the most, if the gospel is not the foundation on which we, are, on which we stand, then no other lean will really matter. Whatever it is you're leaning on, if we're not leaning on Christ, that lean has no meaning. And like the Tower of Pisa, we begin a slow fall to destruction when we aren't leaning into Jesus. Leaning into Jesus will cause a change in our posture. Our spiritual posture will change. We'll stand taller. How we serve Christ and others will change. Our position in Christ and how we are no longer alone and how we are a part of his family, that changes when we lean into him. Our perspective is different 
Our perspective is how God sees others. Have you ever prayed and asked God to help you see someone through his eyes? Because what you see, you just can't deal with. It'll change your perspective. And we lean into the purpose that he has given us, the harvest. So when you think about what you're leaning into today, then we need to do a self-check once in a while. Is it a relationship? Do you count on that relationship to keep you, a, to keep you from toppling? Or how about like the rich young ruler? Is it earning money, making sure you have everything you need because, well, you know, that bank in California closed. Did you guys see that? Maybe we need to, like, stock up some money. But maybe we could lean into Jesus, change our perspective. Do we lean into our past? Do we, do we dredge up all our failures and hurts and disappointments? Or do we lean into that high calling of Christ? Our position has to change. Our perspective has to change. Our posture has to change as we lean. So, Aria's going to come and lead us in another worship song. What if we lean into this worship in this moment? This moment right now. What if we lean into worship? And that's all we think about for just a few minutes. And then when we're leaning in, maybe the Holy Spirit will just talk to us. If we lean in, he can show us maybe some places where we need to make a few changes in our lean where we need to like focus on our perspective or our posture or our position in him. So I'd just like to invite you to worship, lean in a little bit, and let's end our, our service with joy and a new hope for the lean into Christ.